This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is sponsored by BT, because BT means business. BT knows that businesses come in many shapes, sizes and guises, from the person just starting out at their kitchen table to the biggest employer, which is why no matter what line of work you're in, they've got your back to help you succeed and do what you do best. No doubt connectivity is a must in Westminster, and it certainly helped us to get this episode created and distributed to you listening right now. BT already connects more than 1 million businesses and public sector organisations, offering secure and reliable connectivity. Nearly three quarters of people running a business or side hustle feel they couldn't do so without reliable broadband and mobile connectivity. That's why having connectivity you can count on is a must for business, whether it be facilitating multiple devices being connected at once or making team calls or guest Wi-Fi access for customers. BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search BT's got your back. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. Hello, this is the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Jolly. Now, once a month, we bring you an actual focus group. James Johnson, former number 10 pollster, chairs a session with swing voters to find out what they think about politics. Well, because it's Christmas, we thought we'd turn the tables. We did a focus group with Times columnists, and this is part one. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at LutonRising.org.uk. Let's go around the group, and you could all introduce yourselves. And I'm looking forward to this bit. Just give me your name and uh, what you do for a living. Uh, let's start with uh, we've got a Daniel in the group. Daniel, what name and what you do for a living? I'm a newspaper columnist for the Times, and I'm writing a book. And you're okay. a lord, and you're in the House <laughs> of Lords. 
You can't not mention that. You go in there all the time and make legislation and tell us all what to do. Yeah, if you don't, if you don't mention, you it, ask that's a, that's for a, a living. Of your three million pounds. If you don't, I don't, don't do that for a living. <laughs> and are you a swing voter, Danny? Are you a swing voter? <laughs> not at the moment. <laughs> no, not yet. Exactly. Nothing swinging voting, about his vote. Right, I'm glad that after just one question of what is Danny's name, it's already descended into a fast. Uh, David, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Yes, my name's David Aronovich. I am a celebrated columnist and world-renowned broadcaster, and you're incredibly lucky to have me on this programme. Uh, excellent. Thank you for that, David, entirely in, in uh, keeping. Uh, Alice, yeah. would you like to introduce yourself? I am a columnist and I am writing a book with another person on this panel. So that might exclude us both because we're already associated to each other. Well, for the purposes of, uh, it's too late to worry about that now, uh, which I suppose brings us to Rachel. Would you like to introduce yourself to the group? I am Rachel and I'm a journalist and a chair of an education commission. Are we allowed to mention our employers or is it meant to be anonymous? <laughs> and, um... I think it's fine. I think it's fine. I think it's a safe space. We're allowed to mention our employers. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Libby, Libby, introduce yourself to the group. I am a freelance uh, writer, feature writer, journalist and columnist with a long and loving relation with the Times newspaper. And I'm a broadcaster and I used to be on Radio 4 for 40 years until they threw me out. Um, and I've written novels, 12 of them. Nobody reads them, but they're out there. <laughs> well, novels is incredible. I mean, I'm so full of admiration. Well, it was a while wow. ago, and um, I, I, I'm just hoping someone will make them into a really, really dirty series on Netflix or something, <laughs> and then I'll be famous and I, I can go to literary festivals again. Okay, dirty novel writer. Filthy Maybe. books, filthy, filthy books. books yeah. uh, and finally, Melody Reid. Oh, I'm a peasant that lives in Scotland in a, in a, in a sort of a rural slum, and I'm very <laughs> lucky. I feel very honoured to have been asked to join you tonight. Oh, not um, at all. Not at all. You are the you are one of the most recent additions to our columnist panel on a uh, at ten thirty. Um, you joined by James Forsyth on a Friday, but it's very nice to have you here. So, what we're going to do is treating this a bit like a proper focus group. We'll do some politics and then we'll do some Christmas. I'm going to give you a, a name of someone, and I want you to just sum them up in a word or a phrase. First thing that comes to your head, nice and quick, and you're not being paid by the words, so try to keep it nice and short. So the first person I want to ask you about is Boris Johnson. Uh, let's start with Alice. Joker. Danny. Party. <laughs> Rachel. Puppy. Naughty puppy. Libby. Shambles. Melanie. Indescribable prat. <laughs> <laughs> and David. Rake. Beg your pardon? Rake. Oh, Rake. Can I just rake. ask something here? I know I'm not supposed to know anyone on the panel, but I sort of know Rachel. I don't think she really likes Boris Johnson as much as she likes puppies, or she's never admitted to me that she likes puppies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking in my head of an animal, and actually probably puppies, probably more like um, Rottweiler puppy, actually. I'll upgrade to a Rottweiler puppy. Bounds around, but actually quite dangerous. And is incontinent. Uh, right, uh, we'll do someone else. One word or phrase again. We'll do Keir Starmer. Let's start with you, Libby, this time. Lawyer. <laughs> All the Just noise is fine. Lawyer, lawyer. Lawyer. Uh, David. Pained. Rachel. Boring. 
Danny. Blank page. Alice. Destrian. And Melanie. Decent. Decent. Very good. Very mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's uh, we'll expand it a bit further. Let's uh, sum up Rishi Sunak in a word for us. Starting with you, Melanie. Uh, very small, tiny. <laughs> he's he's I mean, miniature. That is true. David. Lucky. Danny. Weber. Alice. Slides. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. those strange plastic shoes. One up. Yeah, uh, Rachel. Neat. Very good. And uh, Libby. Cool. Lovely. He'll be much. Uh, he'll be much happier with all of that. Well, um, I don't but... want him to be much happier. So can't we kind of do it again and be more negative? Well, then, David, <laughs> what would you <laughs> like to say about Richie now? Well, now I want to be incredibly negative, but I can't do it in just one word. It would take a lot of words to say how neg- why I feel negatively about him. I just think you ought to reconsider all of you. Right, fine. Well, let's move on. I tell you what, the interest of balance, let's do uh, your views, please, on Nicola Sturgeon. Uh, Melanie. <laughs> oh, 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 unbearable. <laughs> you need to be careful because she'll kick you out uh, as the only Sco- uh, resident of Scotland in the group. Uh, Alice, Nicola Sturgeon. Pantomime. <laughs> Partly because she's just cancelled the pantomimes for all the children. I know that my nephews and nieces are very upset because they've had their... So, so I want it because the crankies normally, they, that's the main time they work is Christmas. Uh, Danny. Impressive, but wrong. Uh, Rachel. Political. Excellent. Uh, Libby. Smug. And David, I've let you go last so that you can... Okay. We sleek it non-timorous beastie. <laughs> Excellent. There we are. Um, does anyone want to say anything about Ed Davey? No. <laughs> Good. Uh, right. Let's move on. Uh, I'm, I'm quite interested in, in your sort of political highlight of the year. Uh, it could be the most memorable thing or uh, the, just, just the thing. When, you, when we look back on politics in 2021, what's the thing that you think... Uh, you personally will remember it for. It could be something that's funny, dramatic, it's changed the course of history, or it might just be something that amused you one afternoon. Uh, David. Um, I have a good David answer and a bad David answer. The good David answer is Andrew Neil's resignation from GB News. I really enjoyed that, and I think it is political. Bad David, Allegra Stratton's tears. I kind of really enjoyed those. (laughs) Uh, Libby, your highlight or most memorable political moment of 2021? This is a highlight and this is a serious one, really. It's Chris Bryant's speech about the Patterson affair, speech in Parliament. It was dignified. He acknowledged the unhappy event of the member's wife's suicide, but pointed out in calm detail why it was disgraceful to avoid, try to avoid sanctions. And he, he says at one stage, a Conservative colleague I respect said a great deal said to me on Monday, justice should always be tempered by mercy. I agree, says Bryant, but justice also demands no special favours. And he ran through all the other similar cases. And I think um, I think that was remarkable. It was a sort of turning point speech where suddenly Parliament was reminded that it was a serious place with serious traditions and a serious need for integrity. So that was a kind of high spot. That was what I thought, yeah. House of Commons, hurrah, you know, well done, Bryant. Very good, uh, Libby. Rachel, your political highlight of the year. 
Well, I'm going to lower the tone a bit because I think it's Boris, Johnson, <laughs> Boris Johnson's Peppa Pig speech because actually I think that was a kind of tipping point. It was the moment when he did just look ridiculous, shambolic, totally incompetent, um, elements of puppy, but puppy totally out of control in a ridiculous way. And I think it was the moment perhaps when the scales really fell from the eyes of the Tory party and in front of business as well. So, it, you know, not only had he said F business, he then went and insulted them. Uh, and it was just the sort of lack of seriousness of the whole thing. And also it was, you know, it was funny to observe, but in an absolutely excruciating way, but I think with quite serious consequences. It was suddenly when all the seriousness which he'd been attempting to build up in all this, you know, this is my instruction to you for public health and so on, it completely fell away mm. because he was saying, have any of you been to Peppa Pig World? He hadn't even noticed he was about 200 miles north of it and they were busy people with no time to get a Peppa Pig World right down in the south. It just felt, it it really was a turning point, I agree. It was it was sort of, hang on, you know, th this man is no longer in any any kind of a serious leader. Well, it's worse than that, isn't it? It was a reminder that we had about that he is still having children. About you know he's kind of forty children in and he's still having, them. and I don't think that's what you should be reminding people of at the moment. Well, at least he took the day out to go and do something with one of these children, didn't he? But, but no, or they, actually, I think they took the day out to do something with him. Has anybody in the group been to Peppa Pig World? Dave. No, it's hey, really Peppa. good. She's got both eyes on the same side of her nose. That's just really creepy. <laughs> that's Picasso. That's a, that's, that's a Picasso thing. Yes. Yeah. Horrible. That's right. Next year, next week, Guernica World. <laughs> I thoroughly recommend it. I'm a big fan. Thomas I think the tank, Thomas the Tank Engine. He's got both eyes right on the front, and that's where they should be. They should. They yeah. just Quite should. Very good. Uh, right, uh, Danny, your highlight of the year. Well, I'm going to choose Tyrone Mings tearing a strip off Pretty Patel. Uh, I enjoyed it for two reasons. One uh, was that it was very funny to watch all those members of Parliament distancing themselves from the England football players taking the knee, only to discover that England reached the uh, semi-final, which I could have told them was really quite lightly at the beginning. And it was such a hilarious strategic political issue because at the end, they all wanted to wear England shirts, having uh, not supported them at the beginning. That was quite funny from a political aficionado's point of view. But I chose it also for a more serious point of view. It, it was the first indication that Conservatives got that perhaps the side that they sometimes take in the uh, culture wars isn't a simple victory. Uh, and people's views about these things are a bit more complicated than sometimes people think they are uh, and so um, I found it a quite instructive episode as well as being funny from a political aficionado's point of view. <laughs> that seems like about a million years ago when they were all putting on their England football shirts. Just a few months. Still in. Yeah. Um, Rishi Sudak's England shirt with the label hanging out the back uh, I think might be one of my highlights of the year. Um, Alice. <laughs> Your highlight of the year? Mine was sewage, actually. Uh, because <laughs> it just summed it up. I mean, it was a gift for all the cartoonists, but it was there was this sort of extraordinary idea that all this sewage was just spewing out all over Britain, and it kind of summed up the government. And, you know, there's only one part of one river that was even vaguely clean. And we love to think of ourselves as being this sort of great, you know, Emerald Isle, and that we were better off than the Europeans and were doing wonderfully, and Liz Truss flying around the world. And actually... You know, we are so tainted now with sort of sludge and slurry and, 
uh, disgusting bits and pieces floating through our rivers. And it just felt that's what it was like your Gian Stables, really. It felt like that's what was floating past Westminster. And I think it kind of summed it up. And it was also during COP26 when we were trying to pretend that we were this incredibly worthy green nation. And then Boris Johnson flew down to his um, party, his dinner, uh, by plane just because he wanted to see a few mates. And I think it, it just totally, that was just the sort of summation really of me of the year. It was seeing all this disgusting effluent flowing past these politicians. And it, it sort of linked to, and one of the interesting ways it, it linked, it linked with the ongoing Grenfell inquiry, which is getting sort of more and more interesting as more and more stuff comes out and apologies have to be made. It's about regulation. It's about the fact we have these regulators and they don't actually seem to regulate anything very much. You know, they didn't regulate the building industry. They, didn't, they don't regulate the water industry properly. You know, that we, we used to think we were a lovely rule keeping kind of nation and sort of we had to be forced to understand now that we're just not. And the weirdest thing was that the people who actually came out and fought against sewage was the Duke of Wellington, which I thought was rather phenomenal. <laughs> I'd never heard. I didn't realise we had the Duke of Wellington still around there. He's got the Yeah, and then he came, exactly. He had the sort of you know he had the kit as well as the surfers. So it's the idea of having surfers and a duke together. And further sharking. Yeah, and exactly. So it was a great mixture of people. And you kind of knew which side you're on. Like the culture was, you just thought. Actually, you know, th this is one I can really win. There's just no pro-sewage lobby, really, apart from... <laughs> I, like, I like the idea of someone called Fergal Sharkey swimming in sewage rivers. I don't think he liked the idea. That's why he was... Um... Oh, I'm, all, I'm on his side. I want you to know, I'm on his side, totally. No, <laughs> Maybe David whatever it was in rivers. And I know I can't say what's in the rivers, otherwise you'll bleep me again, Matt. But yes, none as of we, that as, in the rivers. As ever, as ever. Melody, your highlight of the year. Well, it has to be at COP at COP twenty six when when going back to Nick, dear Nicola when she became a, a Elsie McSelfie the serial serial selfie taker. Um, it was very wonderful because it was being organised by by uh, the Westminster, and so uh, and she'd been cut out of it. She spent her whole time um, in the sort of uh, the VIP suite uh, with a, with a with a can of iron brew to give to people and a, and her iPhone. And she took more than 80 selfies with all the, the foreign leaders, Biden and, and Greta, uh, Greta and, and, and uh, David Attenborough and Merkel and Nancy Pelosi. And she gave John Kerry a tartan tie. And, you know, she, 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 was, she was preparing the ground for her next job. And it was wonderful because she got so much publicity and putting it out to her Twitter followers and and Boris, meanwhile, was caught up in in well, it was it was sewage and everything else, wasn't it? So it was you know he was completely bogged. No, it was it was um, at that point it was it was Shropshire, uh, you know he was completely bogged down in it. Um, so she was she she was preparing the ground for her next job. It was immensely political and immensely clever. She totally avoided the British press and the Scottish press as well. So she was only asked softball questions by. Uh, by foreign uh, by foreign media who of course think she's wonderful it's very funny <laughs> who um i want to come back to the group again who do you think has had the worst year who um ends 2021 politically it could be from any party but who do you think has had the worst uh political year uh david let's start with you well, I think it's, there's a kind of genus of people who've had a terrible year, and that is anybody working for Boris Johnson. I mean, practically anybody, because when things go wrong, since he can't ever go, they have to go, don't they? 
so 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 practically anybody so um matt hancock has gone and uh allegra stratton has gone and dominic cummings has gone and 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 there are just more people to to go and you do kind of wonder who's applying for jobs at number 10 and given that within a kind of week somebody says actually it's a terrible thing having number 10 and it's the fault of the people at number 10 and they've got to get a grip and they've got to kind of do something you think no it's all down to Boris Johnson etc but you can't be blamed he can't go so they've got to go um and so they kind of they they fired and say oh, I've got a wonderful job I'm going to go to the number 10 and they all end up crying on an Islington doorstep <laughs> in one way or another <laughs> Alice go on then what your your big loser of 2021 Okay, so mine, I'm afraid, is quite serious, but I think the two big losers, and one of them got away with it and the others didn't, was the Afghans. So I think the Afghans had the most hideous time this year and it was dreadful and appalling and we didn't get enough out. And I think the permanent secretary should have been absolutely hammered for it and weren't. So they got away last week uh, at the end of the year. Well, they, they got away with it in the summer too, of going on holiday. All three of the senior permanent secretaries were on holiday and away, as well as Dominic Raab, when Afghanistan imploded. And they were left, the people of Afghanistan, to the Taliban. And I think those permanent secretaries should have had much, much more grief. And I hope that they do feel bad. And I hope they do feel it's been their worst year ever. Because actually, you know, they didn't have as bad a year as the Afghans. But what they did was appalling. And they didn't do their job seriously. And, you know, I mean, Boris obviously has had a bad year. But actually, he'll probably think to himself he's had quite a good year I just kind of hope this permanent secretaries think you know what that was my one moment in my life I could have stepped up and I didn't mm. I'm nodding I'm nodding sagely along with you Alice but I'm aware I am wearing a father Christmas hat and a, and a, and a jumper which is flashing <laughs> in life but I do agree with your serious sentiment even though it's difficult for me to convey that uh Danny your big losers of 2021 it's hard to imagine anybody who's gone from a bigger position to a less uh, to a less satisfactory one than Matt Hancock, despite the fact he's actually a friend of mine. Um, and uh, you know, but just observing it, you 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 have to observe that's what's happened. Uh, it's very interesting um, that you know in politics, disaster can always be just around the corner. Uh, so. Uh, certainly, he was um, he had a lot of sort of political difficulties with. Dominic Cummings last year, but his position was still pretty solid, I think. And then just suddenly, and uh, I think it's hard to see him coming back from it. He's trying though, isn't he? Yeah, look, I, you know, the, the thing about him as a, as a personality is that he's very persistent um, and uh, very, and that is, no, and that is, no, I'm sorry, I, I don't mean well, that as a bad thing, right? In politics, you're making it funnier, Danny, you're making it funnier. In politics, that's in, in a, a, a relevant characteristic. You, you, you know, you have to... Um, uh, be prepared to sort of keep going with what you're doing and have a lot of self-confidence and he has got those things but I think you know also sometimes political reality just makes that impossible but um, we'll see. Melanie your big loser of 2021. Well you know it, it's Matt it's Matt Hancock but I have to say that um, it's also me because I was desperately hurt by Matt because I thought he was all mine because just a few weeks before it all blew up he sent me this lovely billet doux telling me how much he loved me and how much my column meant to him and how he'd followed me since since my accident Aww. and how uh, you know all his family he said we lived they lived my highs and lows and I thought wow he really loves me and then he went off with somebody else so you know I was very hurt by that 
I was I I must admit I was very touched by the letter. I have it pinned up on my on my on my board next to me. But uh, at the same point, I I now feel I should put a little sort of arrow next to it saying yes, the man. This <laughs> is quite funny, really. A doctor I know who's always on a, quite a lot of these important panels and so on. He said, "Oh, of all the health secretaries I've dealt with, and this includes Jeremy, sort of Saint Jeremy Hunt, who now thinks he's so wonderful." He said he's the only one who ever really listened to what we said and took notes. You know, so you sort of think, "Oh, damn!" You know, possibly by this stupid behaviour, we have lost a decent health secretary. Maybe I would agree with that. He's the only person. I was uh, earlier this year, just after the G7, I came. Uh, drove all the way back from Cornwall and then went out for a uh, curry with a friend and some other people who I didn't know, one of whom, after a couple of drinks, was very excited about how much he loved Matt Hancock. <laughs> and I recorded a video of him saying how much he loved Matt Hancock and sent it to Matt Hancock just to sort of, you know, perk him <laughs> up. But uh, I think he might have been bu bu busy with other issues at the time. Um, Rachel. Well, I was going to say Matt Hancock too, really, because of the sort of ludicrousness of that video where you just, it's the hands, the, the sort of little nuzzle. The face, just, the space. At, the whole thing was just horrendous. Um, but oh, you could, dear. I mean, I think you could also add in Boris Johnson there, just say that he's, you know, as said by lots of people previously, shot to pieces now. Uh, and and maybe, in fact, we'll look back on this and think that this was the year when Rishi Sunak actually was a big loser. He's had to spend squillions. He's had to sort of pave the way for tax rises, uh, actually put up taxes uh, without really coming up with the goods and showing, you know, is this the moment when the Tory party starts to question whether he really was the next leader in waiting? Uh, it hasn't quite happened yet, but I think when we look back, we might think that the shine started to come off Rishi Sunak this year. Do you know what? I can never, ever find it in myself to be sorry for the husband of a billionaire. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I know I'm hard-hearted, but it just, I just always think they've got something to fall back on. Despite the sliders, as Alice says. He has the kit, doesn't he? He does have all the kit, the pellets and the sliders, that little tea holder. No, but it's all, do you think it's all product placement? Is it all... Is it, I know, don't he, think he needs product placement. I think he basically, he can afford it himself, can't he, Matt? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah he has a peloton probably in every room. There's a yeah. peloton in the toilet. Is it true that his, his, his Christmas card is a picture of his sliders? It's a picture of his feet. I've not had it. If you, you must have had it by now, Danny. I'm what sure I will have a Christmas card, but I haven't had that. I haven't had one from him yet. Very good, very good. Well, I, I tell you what, let's move on to Christmas. Uh, we won't can, I about, have we won't... My, can I say my worst? Can I say my oh, worst? Oh, yes, sorry, yes, Libby. Yeah, you, you just gave my worst. it was just a casual drive by of Matt Hancock, but you've got a different worst. Uh, a different I just need to mention Fido Harding's test and trace. Another frightful year of, of messy admin and hopelessness and enormous numbers of consultants wasting money and yet more being thing, and the audit commission beating it up and saying it's been so hopeless. I mean, when you think, you know, these two two women, two prominent women got given jobs. Kate Bingham got given the vaccine job and has basically saved all our lives and the economy. Um, and Dido Harding uh, just... You know, well, can I put in a word for oh, not necessarily for her particularly or her running a bit, but the whole concept of test and trace was pretty stupid to start off with. And we were never, ever going to be able to trace everyone. Right. And uh, the test bit of it worked. Right. And so basically there was an entire period where everybody said, 
um what we need to do is what we need to do is trace everybody and then we spent like so much money on something that would never ever ever going to work and then we complained that it didn't work which of course it didn't because trying to hold on but don't make it sound like my fault sorry it it was particularly your fault actually you were high in the list of the people who did that (laughs) yeah but you don't need it's it's a christmas special tally we don't need your serious points That brings us to the end of part one of the Times Columnists Focus Group. We'll bring you part two on the podcast tomorrow. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.